Hello there, this is Guru talking to you about Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's completely free. Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Ballistic Podcast again. I'm here, Varun. Along with me are my co-hosts, Guru and Vikram, and we have reached around the halfway point of the NBA, so there's a lot to talk about regarding what's been going on this season. But we're going to get right to some breaking news that just happened today, just like 30 minutes ago, in fact. DeMarcus Cousins, he's out for the year with a torn Achilles. Guru, Vikram, what are your reactions, your initial reactions? I mean, goodbye Pelicans. I, that was my initial reaction, but I, I, obviously, obviously, it's very sad for uh, Demarcus Cousins going into his free agency, and uh, obviously, really sad for the Pelicans as well. I don't know, like it, this, this happened too fast. You know, it kind of brought back shades of Kobe Bryant for me uh, during that game against the Warriors, where he was guarded by Harrison Barnes. In this case, Demarcus Cousins showing some hustle, missing a free throw. Trying to get the trying to get the rebound. It's really an unfortunate play, especially with 8.1 seconds left on the clock. Nice thing was that the Pelicans got the win, but I think they would have heavily preferred to have a, a hold to Marcus Cousins rather than somebody out for the year. It really complicates things for the Pelicans because, you know, now what are you going to do with Demarcus Cousins? Are you going to give him that max contract extension? Are you going to let him walk? How does what does this do for his career as well? So I think all of these are are important factors that we have to take into account. I don't think it it affects his impending negotiations all that much, but it definitely affects the Pelicans this season and probably affects how Anthony Davis views the Pelicans going into his future and sure. with the team. I agree with that. I think uh, the main main reason I say that is, what if he's not the same player coming back from his Achilles injury and you pay him good money? You know, that's where I really go with that. And I think, you know, with Anthony Davis, he's still locked up for a couple of years. I'm less concerned about him as I am with what does DeMarcus Cousins look like on the back end of an Achilles injury. And I say that because when we look at Kobe Bryant, when he came back from that Achilles injury, he was never the same player. So, you know, if that's the type of thing we see with DeMarcus. Granted, he's significantly younger, and I hope and pray for his speedy recovery from this injury. Uh, I think that could be a complication for them. What sucks the most is that I really wanted to see the Pelicans in oh, the playoffs. Would have been so I really much wanted fun. to see how they would do in the playoffs because they have the competitive advantage of the league in the sense that they have two of the most skilled big men in the NBA. So regardless if it was the Warriors or the Rockets or the Spurs or the Timberwolves, it would have been a really interesting matchup. Yep. Now, I don't know if the Pelicans stay in the playoffs, but it it's a really it's truly a missed opportunity because I think they had a chance to make some noise in the playoffs. And they were just getting chemistry, right? Not only with Cousins and Davis, but Drew just Holiday. Drew Holiday was also playing Rajon really Rondo well. Rajon Rondo playing really good Rajon Rondo, Darius, Darius Miller, Miller coming, yeah. coming out of nowhere, hitting threes. So yeah, they were really syncing together as a team, playing that inside-out game with Davis and Cousins in the inside and all the perimeter players on the outside. So it's really unfortunate that they sort of have to start all over again, yep. maybe miss the playoffs because of this. 
It's unfortunate. Now, I will say, the one thing that really sucks for DeMarcus Cousins is he has never made a playoff appearance in his entire career, and that's not going to change the season. And we all thought this was the uh, the year for him to make that progress, and it looked like it. Looking at the halfway point of the season, if you before tonight you would have said, "Yeah, he's going to play in his first playoff game," so that's really sad for him. You know, all the best to his recovery. Uh, hopefully, he's got to take a while. Yeah, it's yeah, going to take a, a while, but two. To really get back into form. The initial, I mean, their initial prognosis was that torn Achilles. So hopefully uh, it's not as severe as they initially think. He's still going to go for that MRI. You know, hopefully it's only partially torn or something like that. That's a hope. I don't know if it's true, but it's a hope. They compared it to Rudy Gay's injury last year. Mm -hmm. So Rudy Gay had a similar type of injury, and they said that uh, he was ready for opening day. Of, of the of the next right, season, right. so hopefully that is the that is the case for Demarcus Cousins as well. Probably the best case scenario for him. Sure, and I mean his season's definitely out. Uh, I like you said. I think the Pelican season is definitely out. Uh, they may be able to sneak into the eighth seed, but there are some other teams in the West that are going to try and get into that spot. So I think that's one thing we have to look at and see. You know, who do you think is coming up? But you know, for the Pelicans, this, there's also a silver lining in the sense that when a, a really strong player goes out. Now they have a chance to see some other players. And, you know, if like other who? players step up, well, I don't know, but that's the point, right? If other players can step up, then next season you can actually have some uh, intriguing hope. So, and I'd, when DeMarcus Cousins comes back with me, hopefully some players stepping up, that could actually be interesting, you know, if that happens, of course. I but would love that's to. That's the silver lining in all of this. I'd love to share your optimism, but if I look at that Pelicans roster, sure. they're already struggling for. Well, of course, it's, for, it's tough yeah. to predict, but it could happen. Yeah, who's going to be next All Star? Dante Cunningham. Yeah, I'm serious. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. who is left yeah. on that roster? I, to I'm, really, not, uh, I'm not saying I don't. I, I I don't know who it is, but I'm just saying that's a possibility. Right, right. No, yeah. I mean, and that that's happened with other teams. I just usually think it's more with established teams where uh, you have a kind of certain level of talent. That surrounds your team, but when you lose like your cornerstone player, it becomes very difficult. Yeah, and all the best for Demarcus Cousins. Yeah. Hopefully, we see him soon. I mean, it's gonna suck because he was he was dominating, especially the he had last a triple double tonight. <laughs> exactly. But let's go on to Kawhi Leonard. So the interesting stuff. You never hear stuff from the Spurs, but for the first time in I don't know like a gazillion years, there was a report that came out from ESPN that apparently Kawhi he's getting pissed off about his injury recovery. He's pissed off at the Spurs. Jalen Rose went as far as to say that Kawhi wants out of the Spurs. I don't know how true that is, but it's interesting that he brought that up. I think Stephen A. Smith also backed that report. Hmm. So interesting stuff coming out of the Spurs. Uh, what do you think? You think there's a lot of merit to this, or you think it's just something to not pay that much attention to? I, I think it's just frustration on both the part of Kawhi Leonard and the Spurs. Obviously, look at Kawhi Leonard, how many games he's played this year. He's only, he's only played nine games this year. And it's because of a multitude of injuries. It's the injury also, It's the injury that he suffered last year in the playoffs playing the Warriors. And it's also this uh, brand new injury that has come about during the season. And he's been out indefinitely for quite a while now. And there's no set timetable. Tony Parker has come back before him. And I think it's just frustration on Kawhi's part that when am I going to be able to come back and be the player that I was last year? I mean, Kawhi was a very popular pick for MVP before the season started. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And fact, uh, I think Vikram, you picked him. I think that was your pick. I picked Giannis. Or Giannis. Or you picked two. Giannis. But yeah. I, I, th I think I picked Kawhi. You picked Kawhi? I okay. think I picked Oh, Kawhi. I think I remember that. Yes. Yeah, I, I think I picked Kawhi. And uh, I mean, I, I thought I, I thought that was a good pick because last year I thought he was in second or third place, arguably. And this year would be the year that he would truly, I mean, carry the Spurs 
and be able to get that MVP uh, award, but that doesn't seem to be the case this year. And it's one of his prime years getting wasted. So I think it's just frustration. I don't, I don't really think he wants out. And even if he does, I don't think the Spurs are stupid enough to trade him. To be 100% honest, I don't really see what the story is about. And the main reason I say that is, what else do you expect from somebody who's literally been on the shelf the entire year? So the story was that he's frustrated at the Spurs. Right, right. And, and it's I, causing some discomfort. But then, so what really happened, what's really interesting is that Jalen Rose and Stephen A. Smith, according to their sources, are saying that Kawhi actually wants out. And this tension with the Spurs has, has been building up for a while now. And they think it might blow over at the end so of the season. if that's the case, it's not due to this injury. Like, this injury might be an exacerbating factor. Yeah. But there has to be some underlying but issue that actually... Scope of, but the question is, do you think Kawhi will actually lead the Spurs? Or do you think it's just something to not pay attention to I right now? I think it's now? something to not pay attention to right now. I think there's not... I don't think there's a lot of meat on this bone. And the main reason I say that yeah, is... Yeah, I agree with that. I just think... What do you do if you're Kawhi Leonard? Do you really want to go somewhere else other than San Antonio that has surrounded you with a first-class organization, a first-class coach, and opportunities to win year in and year out? I mean, if I'm Kawhi Leonard, I'm like, why would I ever want to leave? Yeah, and Jalen Rose, just he looks like a fuel-to-the-fire kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, Him and Stephen A. Smith, right? Yeah. I mean, the but, perfect but, duo to do that. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, they're, and coincidentally, they're the only guys who are saying this. Yeah, yeah I, I Rose just, never came out from. Yeah, I mean, Woj is obviously... Very reputable when it comes to this type of thing. Yeah. Well, I think Wolf was the first one who came out with this thing that Kawhi. He, he came I think he came out with the story yeah. that the Kawhi, the Kawhi was was unhappy. Yeah, and I think that makes sense because as an athlete, if you've gone through an injury that has been nagging you the entirety of your time, you're losing your prime years, like Guru was talking about, and on top of that, your teammate who is much older than you is coming back from a similar injury, and is looking okay then you kind of wonder what the heck is going on. And we don't really know the full extent of the injury or what it actually is besides, you know, something wrong with the squad. And that's part of the Spurs way that they deal with injuries in general, which I don't necessarily understand. I'm not sure what you get out of not telling the public what's wrong with him. Yeah, plus he's got two more years on his contract after this season. Right, so I mean, so he's, not, he's not getting out of zero sense soon. for the Spurs to trade him. And I think, I think it's just frustration that will die down when Kawhi eventually comes back. Exactly. Right. And who the heck would they trade him to anyway? Cavs. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're being linked to everybody. Yeah, might as well. Might as well. Might as well. Okay. Speaking, Speaking of the Cavs, yeah, okay. thank you, Guru. Okay. They're struggling. And are we all that surprised that they're struggling? No. I mean, their defense has been a complete shithole. Like last year. Like, like last year. Once again, like, I think like the last two years, they've been having this down spiral throughout the season. You know, where things look really, really bad. But this time, there was an interesting interesting wrinkle. Apparently, there was an emotional team meeting. And everybody lashed out at Kevin Love. Not just Kevin Love, but it was like a blame game team meeting where everybody was blaming each other. The players, coaches, and the front office members. They were all blamed. Everybody was blamed. It doesn't sound like it solved anything. But what is going on? I mean, who is responsible for this downfall of the Cavs this season? Because... They're actually slipping, and, and this season looks pretty bad compared to seasons in the past. I mean, it looks like their defense has been the worst it's ever been since LeBron get, got there. Who is at fault? So I'm not going to say who's at fault for the entire situation, but that team meeting, I'm going to say it's LeBron James' fault. And this is my problem with it. You are the leader of your team. You have never not been the leader of this team. And you somehow allowed your teammates to place all the blame on your second best player in Kevin Love. That's bad leadership. Well, we don't know. We'll see this thing. We don't know everything about that meeting. We could just go well, based off a couple of ESPN I'm talking reports. about 
the idea that everybody is placing blame on Kevin Love, which no, I think so, is so pretty me, sick. Everybody, it was a team meeting where everybody was blamed. Almost everybody. Right. Kevin Love, so, I think it's because Kevin Love was kind of like the focal point of the story. No, I, I got it. What I'm saying yeah. is the fact that this team meeting is unproductive is on LeBron James. If you are a leader, and he is absolutely the established leader, the best player, one of the best players of all time, when you're that guy, you have to own that meeting. You have to own what's going on with your team. That's where LeBron's got to step up in this particular situation. His play is not enough. He needs to lead that locker room. And this is an indication of poor leadership in my eyes. Not really, you know, I'm not really worried about the team saying, hey, Kevin Love, we're, we don't like the fact that you're sick. I mean, I get it. Frustration makes people say a lot of stupid things. But if you're LeBron James, you have to take control of that situation. And apparently Isaiah Thomas was leading that tirade. And that's when LeBron's got to say, look, IT, like you've been with us for, I guess, half the season. You only played less than 10 games. Your defense is crap. Your defense is crap. <laughs> well, <laughs> shut up. I think there are ways to say this that aren't <laughs> no, so direct. No, I know, but you get the point, right? Yeah, yeah, in general, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Like LeBron James has to do that. So I'm going to put it on his on his back, on his shoulders, because that's important. And LeBron James on the court, he's an all-time great. Absolutely. He's still, look at him this yeah. season. Yeah, right. And But off the court, he's an all-time dud, sort of. I mean, all time done could be a little over the top, but look at what he's done over the over the years, right? I mean, even even in previous years on Instagram, on Twitter, he would be sending these mixed messages. He he uh, on Instagram when Kevin Love arrived that that season, he said "fit in or fit out," right? To Kevin Love on Instagram, you remember? You guys remember? I, that? I remember something like that. Yeah, yeah I do remember. I remember, I remember the discussion. So he, he likes to spread, send these messages out on social media. And that's again, he's that's passive aggressive. Yeah, exactly. a little bit. He, yeah, he's not. He's not like Kobe or Jordan, where he's going to tell you exactly what he means. Yeah, he plays it a little closer to the vest. I mean, but to be hundred percent honest, I'm not real surprised at how the Cavs are struggling this year. I, I'm really not. Like looking at the roster, right? I I just kind of wonder where do you, especially with with it out or not playing. Uh, to his full potential like he was in Boston, you just kind of wonder, where are you really going to get scoring from? Where are you really going to get defense from? And I mean, when you have players like Jay Crowder and J.R. Smith, who've just basically checked out for the season, it feels like, where do you actually get your offense from? It feels like their next best player after uh, Kevin Love and Dwayne Wade is like Jeff Green. And Who's actually played very yeah, well. Uh, that's not yeah. a knock on Jeff Green, but I'm saying if that's your fourth best player on your team, there's a problem. How are you going to win? How are you going to even challenge... The Eastern Conference. Rather if, you, than... if you ask Cavs fans, their next best player is George Hill. Yeah, <laughs> sure, right? Like, why not, right? They, but you know, like, uh, of, you know, when they made this trade for Kyrie Irving, they got Jay Crowder, who was supposed to be that defender, that versatile defender. Crowder's like, I think he's he's like, I think he's in his late twenties, but he's playing like he's in his late thirties. I mean, he, he looks like an old guy on the court. He can't stop anybody on defense. Well, he's not making many shots. He's not playing well at all, and he just got true. benched for Thompson, which I think is a good lineup change because it adds more defense, it adds some more rim protection. More importantly, it moves Kevin Love to, the to power his power natural spot. position. Yeah. But does it really add more rim protection? No, it doesn't because Tristan Thompson is not a rim protector. Well, well, Kevin Love was your only real option there, well, right? So, so I think at least, if anything, you get another big body. They they don't have a big man, man, right? Like if you're looking at Cleveland's roster, you're really saying, wow, you guys really don't have a, uh, a center in the traditional sense of the word, right? Like you don't have a DeAndre Jordan. Like that's, to me, that is the type of trade that would drastically change the fortunes of this Cleveland team. And I think people are are 
understating how big of a difference and, someone like DeAndre Jordan would make for the for the Cavs. And to add fuel to the fire, IT recently came out and said that the Cavs don't practice. And, well, that's and, true. Which and, puzzled. And, 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 that puzzled me. Well, no, it's true because they're old. I mean, yeah, they're old, and they like LeBron's played in like what? Seven well, how are you going to create finals? team chemistry and cohesion yeah, without yeah, practice? Yeah, and that was I Here, here's the problem, that he's not right? quite back yet because they don't I mean, practice. I think that's there's they a, have to, it's, it's still there's a statement of truth to it, but there's a reason they don't practice. Okay, and that is if you when you play like a 48 minute game, when you play like 30, 40 minutes, like if when you play games, you are dead tired the next day you are sore especially when you're old you don't have the same recovery time if you have to run practices in between games or you only have a night off with a grueling 81 game schedule you're really looking at a lot of fatigue and not being able to perform at as such a high level day in day out so i understand it with the Cavs with their really really old team it makes it tough and the problem is their entire roster is really old it's not like they have young prospects like the warriors who are, who are vying for time because the Warriors can throw Pat McCaw, Kevon Looney, Jordan Bell, just people, bodies in that, that can do that. Whereas if you look at the Cavs, what are you really going to do? You want to say anything? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree there. I mean, if you look at the Warriors and the Spurs, they've always had some kind of player stepping up every year, mm -hmm. right? Some you kind of to. player. With the Cavs, since LeBron has come there, aside from LeBron or Kyrie or the main suspects, who has really developed in Cleveland? Yeah, player which did. young player has really developed? Do they have young you players? Look at? Exactly. They leverage every they, year. They leverage, they leverage their, their young draft players. Picks, they trade away for veterans. veteran, and that's, a, that's an organizational problem. Big, yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. but that's that's the gamble you take when you try to stay in your championship window for as long as possible. And yeah. if I'm LeBron James, why the heck am I going to stay around in Cleveland? I mean, if you look at LeBron, right? He was sort of the agent for Tristan Thompson. When he's, he signed his big deal. I mean, Which LeBron, I think he was yeah, way overpaid. Yeah, exactly, right? Because Tristan Thompson's and agent is Smith Rich too. Paul. J.R. Smith's agent is J.R. Smith is a little different. Like, when J.R. Smith is on, he is a huge difference maker. I don't think they win that series against the Warriors without J.R. Smith. No, but other than that, he's getting paid, I think, he's $16 getting, million or something. Four years, $16 million. Something, I think that contract is around I think he's there, got 11 mil next year. I, I Don't quote me on I, that. I'm pretty I think, sure that's I, what it is. It's a huge contract. It was like four years, it's, $67 million. It's fairly million. large. It's uh, a huge contract, but, but I'm look more, at how he's played this season. Oh, I mean, this, this season, season he's, been, he he's fallen been, off a cliff. Yeah, right? it's four years, fifty-seven million. Yeah, fifty-seven million. Not, it's a lot of money. Yeah, uh, it's absolutely yeah. a lot of money for for J.R. Smith. Yeah, my problem is, what are you getting from Tristan Thompson? That's uh, that's what I'm asking because as well. He's he's and, not bringing, and, and he's not a trade asset either. Right, and that's the problem, right? Yeah, he doesn't bring you defense. Really, he brings you a lot of hustle, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't, but as a foundational center for your team, what is he going to bring you night in, night out? He can't even punish Zaza Pachulia for the Warriors, right? Like, the main reason I was excited to watch that Pelicans matchup and uh, was to see, do you think DeMarcus Cousins and, and Anthony Davis can abuse Zaza Pachulia and any other big man that the Warriors could have put in? I'll answer that question for you, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but uh, I guess the, the question is now, where do you see the Cavs going from here? Okay, it, it really looks like the Raptors and the Celtics are clearly better. Can we can we make that assumption? Um, right now, but I think when the playoffs come, normally, and they have somehow done it, they have somehow turned a switch and played much better. So I still, I'm not going to rule out Cleveland and say they fall into number three. I still think if the playoffs come, they're still the number one team to beat in the East. And I think LeBron James can carry you 
to the finals. He did it yeah. with the worst team. He did the NBA that. finals or the oh, conference finals? I'm talking to the NBA, NBA finals. finals. He did he it with the worst team when they lost against the Spurs and they were swept, I think, that in 2007. That was a terrible Cavs team. They, yeah. Yeah. Their next best player was like Larry Hughes. LeBron terrible. James can carry you yeah. to a... Yeah. No, I'm serious. Yeah, LeBron yeah. James can carry you to an NBA title or to an NBA... Well, to a title, but I'm talking specifically to the But that the was then. This is now... And, they and, beat the they beat the bad boy or the not the yeah. bad boy Pistons, but that really good that really good Pistons, Pistons, Pistons team. team. It was a good Pistons team. Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace, uh, uh, Tayshawn Prince, and Chauncey Billups. Like you're talking about, he can one man army you to the finals. So I don't think you can ever actually count him out. I think I've said this before, but it, and, it's and, not looking good. And, and not to mention the Raptors in the playoffs, uh, they're like the land before time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every year, specifically Kyle Lowry is usually the land before time. I like that. I think that it's really up to the Celtics to see what they can do. Yeah, and there's been trade talk like George Hill maybe to the Cavs, Lou I mean, Williams. Uh, I mean, these are all these, bad defensive do, players. Right? Yeah, they're not going to help the defense at all. So, I mean, their problem is defense, and it doesn't seem like... Like, if they need a defensive solution, I think it's in the roster. They need players to step up on the defensive end. It's just about effort. But who do they have that is actually going to be able to... got to make effort. Jake Crowder, J.R. Smith, more effort, and you see a big difference. But let's move on. More drama. Damian Lillard apparently went to the owner, Paul Allen, and he said, well, yeah, I think he was just asking him, are you still trying to get wins for this team right now or are you going for a rebuild? It was something along those lines. So it's interesting because in the past, Lillard has said that, said that he is a Portland Trailblazer for life. He wants to stay there. He doesn't want to leave. So it's interesting that he does this now. So do you think he's just doing his due diligence, uh, Guru, or do you actually think that he's looking to leaving. I, I think it's just his, I think it's just due diligence. I think he's making sure that the Blazers are on track because I I really think Lillard is a uh, genuine person and he's a loyal person as well. I think he means it, but he wants. I mean, he says he wants to stay with the Blazers for for a long time. But if you look at the Blazers, they they peak at some point at that six or seven seed. They just peak, mm-hmm. and I mean, there's no going forward from there. And I think. What Damian Lillard is saying is that if you're going to keep it that way, then I might have no choice but but to leave because I at the end of the day I want to win. Uh, uh, Bikram, what are your thoughts? I think there's a institutional problem with the NBA with this, and that is an any given year. And this has been since time immemorial for the NBA. Only a certain number of teams can actually be competing for an NBA title. Okay, that means most of the league and most of the players are not in contention for a title. The problem is if every player, including the good ones, want to win a title, they have to move from bad teams to good teams. And that creates a certain type of power transfer from bad teams to good teams. And I think we're seeing the result of that now. Uh, I don't know that it's not, it hasn't happened in the past. It has to a degree. But it, while it may be due diligence, do you really think the Trailblazers are going to be able to, to win anytime soon? And as an ownership group, do you say it's either championship or bust? Because if that's your mentality, you're going to be blowing it up every year for a long time. Well, I think what he's saying is, uh, is there a promising core in the, for the future for Portland, given that the given where the Warriors are, given where the Rockets are, given where OKC is? I mean, there are so many good teams I out there. You. Can we compete with them? And given their current core, so, CJ McCollum, Lillard, Nurkic, I, I would agree with Lillard if he feels like it's not it, they can't win. But I feel like this is kind of similar to when Michael Jordan was in the league and they won six championships and it didn't really look like anybody can compete with them. Yeah. Do you as a player say, great, Michael Jordan is going to 
kill everything for the next six years. Am I going to wait out my window? I mean, I think at a no. certain point it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I, I, I just think it's unrealistic to say, yeah. and it's, and well, I think we agree here. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we're all on the yeah. same page here. Like who is your, where do you go? If you're Damian Lillard, like what is your upgrade? And it's really media driven as well, right? Yeah. Because uh, like people judge you on how much you're winning. Because I remember having a conversation with my dad and he basically told me that Anthony Davis is not a winner. <laughs> and, and that's when I learned, like, oh my God, this is like, I mean, parodying the NBA is real. And I mean, and it's, it's media driven that, I mean, players want to win because they want to be judged that way. Right, right. And I think Shaq actually said something really cool when, uh, when he was talking about All-Stars. He's like, a winner is anybody that's in a playoff seed to me. Like anybody that's one through eight in the playoffs, to me, that's a winning team. That's a winner to me. I mean, we can't, not everybody could be the first seed. Yeah. I, I think it's an unrealistic expectation. I right, think you're rewarded for it. Look, if you look at the Warriors with four All-Stars, I think you're rewarded for it. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying, if you're Damian Lillard, and I think he's doing his due diligence, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think, where is your, where is your upgrade? I think teams have to be realistic with their opportunities yeah. here. Like, you can't turn it around in one season. And you also can't say, hey, if, if it's not a championship, we're going to go we're going to go rebuild every year. There has to be teams that are in the middle. I, I'm a little hesitant of the word rebuild. I would say retool to try and upgrade your roster or try and change it in a way that it can compete in a better way. Not necessarily blow it up, right? Uh, so with the Trailblazers, Lillard has been there for, I think it's his sixth year now. Sure. Sixth year. And they haven't had any success. So, I mean... I understand his position. If he wants to leave, it, it, it's understandable to me. But it also, uh, alluding to what Vikram yeah. said, what is your definition of success? If your definition of success is making the playoffs, Lillard, Lillard has done, done that it. pretty much every. So I think in this case, it's probably it's probably more. It's like, can we get better? Yeah. Can we compete for a championship? Can we do ever you, get to the top? Do you have a generational superstar on your roster? They don't. And that's yeah. the thing, right? Like Lillard has to, and I think he is. He's not. He's not foolish. He understands what he is and how good his roster is. But if you don't have a superstar generational talent on your team, are you really going to be able to compete? There have been teams that have done it. You look at the Mavs, who snuck one in. But typically speaking, you usually have that type of talent on a team. And it's hard if you're a Damian Lillard or a CJ McCollum, who are really good players. And does and Damian Lillard is absolutely a deserving all-star in his own right. But I mean, you got to be realistic at some point and say, are we going to be able to compete with the Warriors in their window? I mean, and they, they tried to recruit Paul George over the, over the summer, right. right? So they knew that they weren't quite there yet. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I just don't think there's, I mean, you can, the only other way you can win is by stacking stars, which is what they're trying to do. But do you blame them? I guess. Yeah, no, no one blames them. I mean, everybody wants to <laughs> yeah, win, right? I think they all want championships and they realize the Warriors are there. We got to find a way to catch them. So... That's what's been going on. Yeah. Anyways, the All-Star game. I mean, big changes this year, huh? They did team captains. So Team LeBron, Team Steph. Team LeBron drafted his team. It looks pretty good. Team Steph did his. Uh, they didn't televise it, unfortunately. I would have loved to see the the, the draft on TV. I, I would have loved to see how they... Even if it was on tape players. delay. Yeah. <laughs> I would want to, or at least show us who was picked when, right? Yeah, First exactly. round, this guy got picked, that, that guy got, instead like they threw like 30 names in our face. Yeah, I... I think we all agree that the draft should have been televised. I actually... Do you guys think so? I do. I The only thing that I think would be better is if it wasn't Steph and LeBron that were doing the drafts. I don't like the fact that they have to draft people. I wish it was... Two other people who are having to do the drafts. I'm like not coaches, talking about NBA. Like yeah, coaches, coaches, anybody else, but not the players. Because I feel like 
if you're Steph Curry or if you're LeBron James, you have a, and I think this is reflected in, in Team Steph's roster, like you can't, you feel awkward about not picking your own teammates, right? I think there's a, a semblance of this where you don't want to get on anybody's bad side, really. And that's just part of the NBA, and that, that's okay. But again, I think if you have head coaches or somebody else that's doing this divvying up, your rosters are a little bit more balanced. That's not to say that Team Steph can't shoot the, the crap out of the ball and win that game, right? That's That could potentially happen. But I think when you look at these kind of unequal rosters, uh, that's, I think, the fix in the future. But like, even if a coach, even if a coach like selected that roster, like, let's say like Mike, Mike D'Antoni is selecting Team Steph or whatever, right? If he doesn't select the player, if he doesn't select, if he Russell just Westbrook, like Harden number one or something. Yeah. Right, then it's. But I think yeah, it's it's all so, for fun. I mean, that's the whole yeah. idea. The yeah, game but is I mean, for what fun. if you know? What if so you have two the, NBA officials do it, right? Like who aren't affiliated necessarily with any team? No, but I think I mean the players is fine. I mean, it's all for fun, right? I don't think anybody's gonna get a. I mean, I, that's what. Okay, the NBPA said that some players were torn about it being televised. So I guess there were some players out there who might have felt offended if they were picked near the end. It's, but I don't. I think you put it in a perspective. They're all all stars. They're yeah, all the, yeah, yeah. Of the crop. It's less about offended than it is about the quality of the product at the end, right? And no matter what you say, Steph Curry's going to feel a little awkward about not picking Clay Thompson. Yeah. Or and, Draymond Green. Yeah, and I think that's that's all the point is. It's not that they're not all-stars, that the game isn't going to be fun, that all of these players are fantastic and it's going to be a good game, which it may or may not be depending on effort played because that's at the end of the day what's important. I think it's just more that if you're looking at the end product from the NBA, I think there are implementations that work a little better. Right, and I think the fact that the All Star Game is not played seriously plays <laughs> plays into right. that. Uh, like you don't, I don't want to hurt, hurt egos. That sort of mindset, even right, more. right, right. So, uh, yeah, which team do you think looks better, though? I mean, because I, I was looking at both the rosters, and Team LeBron is pretty stacked, right? Like Anthony Davis. I mean, Boogie. I mean, he's gonna get replaced, but Anthony Davis. Well, that changes the game. KD, Kyrie Irving. I mean, that's a pretty stacked. Starting four right there. And then you got Russell Westbrook on your reserves. KP. Victor Oladipo, breakout star. I mean, that's that's a pretty stacked Beal team. Beal and Wall. Yeah. yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Team LeBron is pretty pretty vicious. Yeah, yeah Team LeBron definitely looks better than yeah, Team than Steph. Team Steph. Yeah. But, you know, like like I said, threes are still worth more than twos. So if you can shoot, if you can outshoot that team, uh, we'll see. But do you actually think it's going to be serious? I mean, do you think they're going to take it seriously? Is it going to be like because that's the whole point of changing well, the format? I think what really needs to happen is, you know, you have fun for three quarters. You keep it kind of close because you really you're just dunking back and forth. You're yeah. shooting threes back and forth, and that's fine. I think where push comes to shove is you need to have a competitive quarter. You have to have a competitive six to eight minute stretch in that game where people can really see. And the game has sort of lost that, right? Because I remember watching last year's game, and I was actually watching it with Vivek, and I, I was I kept telling Vivek, "This is when it's going to get competitive. This is when, like, it's, this is when it's. I mean, it's a tie game. If things are going to get competitive, and Anthony Davis was still like getting free alley oops, and I was like, just you wait, just wait, like wait until the three minute mark, <laughs> and but gonna, it never happened. Right. All of a sudden, the Western Conference is up eleven, and it was like, oh great, what yeah. now? And then so, it was so, it was like one hundred ninety two to one hundred eighty two. Yeah, it's it's too high scoring. Like defense matters. Defense may not be, you know, sexy to watch, but at the same time, it actually adds excitement to the but game. But injuries also matter, and if if a serious injury happens during the All Star game, yeah, that's the end of the game. That's the end of the game. Like, but there there's a balance, right? Like, if you remember sad. the old All Star games, there there were real All Star matchups. I'm talking about. I remember when Kobe and LeBron dueled it out in an All Star game, and it wasn't that they're playing full force defense, 
but they're there. They're, it was a fun thing yeah, to see. They're in right? the frame. Yeah. Like they're actually, they're actually, you know, in the NBA 2K world, they're getting a good shot contestant. It doesn't necessarily mean that you need to body somebody or you need to commit a hard foul, but I still think you can play good defense trying to stay in front of somebody. I think you can still do that type of stuff without being over the top and getting somebody injured. And and now the best thing you see is Kevin Durant throwing an alley oop to Russell Westbrook. Yeah, and then, like, yeah. that's that's the story. Oh, they're on the same team again. Yeah, they are. And Westbrook. Huh, yeah, pretty cool. They and can team do it LeBron's again. like team drama if you really look at it. Oh yeah, yeah. It really is. Kyrie, Kevin Love, Kyrie, and then uh, yeah, Katie. Yeah. And- can you I have the two talkative guys in, in Washington, Beal and Wall? And Wall, yeah. yeah. Can I throw out a question to the group here? Yeah. What? Who do you guys think uh, should be the replacement for Boogie? I actually, I, I think Andre Drummond deserves the spot. Yeah. But I also am looking at Paul George and thinking that he's had a great season. Uh, he's really fit into that number two role, and he's been a three and D, but even better. He's he's had a great he's had a great season. I'll give it to Drummond though because I think he I think deserves. A, a spot. I think you need a center actually. Yeah. Like, just in terms of position kind of matching, I do think you need a center. But, like, Cousins has played more power forward this year. And if you look at Team LeBron, they sort of have Cousins in that power forward spot. So I think well, I think Paul George can fill that. So, I mean, and, and we're playing positionalist basketball anyway. So yeah. it's like I mean, it's a positions fair point. are becoming more and more vague I think, as time uh, goes on. So I think I likely think, what happens is you probably move uh, KP into the, into the starting lineup or something like that. Uh, simply because to keep to keep the the lineups the same, but I do think somebody like Lou Williams, who I just think uh, he deserves yeah, it. He's a, he's a I don't know. About, I mean, over Paul George and Andre Drummond, I, I would personally pick him over Paul George. I Andre would, Drummond, I would not pick him over Andre. Drummond. So you would pick Andre Drummond as a yeah, replacement, but okay. mostly. But I'm saying that because Andre Drummond is a center. If I had to go a face to face comparison between the three, I'd still pick Andre Drummond because okay. I I do. Think you reward somebody leading the league in rebounds? I do think you reward the improvement sure, he's exactly. made. Exactly, his in, remarkable improvement on the free, free throw, throw line, line, his maturity level, exactly. uh, leading a team, his assists going up, just running the system. Like those are all important things, and he has the numbers to back it up. So, Drew, who's your, who's your pick? I, I think I think I would go with Paul George just because not only is he averaging twenty a game, but he's also second in the NBA in steals. Yeah. So that's uh, and he's I mean, he's really fit into his role. Absolutely. It, I mean, I'm I I think what he's he he's clearly committed to what they're doing in OKC because I'll tell you, like in the beginning of the season, I thought he was just hell bent on going to LA regardless, right? It's like I thought he was just waiting out the season. Ah, whatever. Who cares about OKC? I'm just gonna wait till the season ends. He's balling out. But he's he is really committed, and he is clearly playing the number two role. And I think you you see the results. OKC has won five in a row, and they're mm-hmm. number five in the West. They, they I, turned it around. Yeah. yeah, I do think the idea that we should move to just picking the twenty four best players, uh, irrespective of conference, probably is the way they need to go with this I agree in the future. Because uh, I, I think I think Paul George would definitely probably knock off like Kevin Love, for example, uh, or something like that. A not, few of the players. Yeah, yeah, not to. And again, it's not a knock on what Kevin Love has done this year, but. There are some players in the West right now. Yeah, Kevin but I Love's think... getting a lot of hate. Recently. Yeah, yeah, no, Kevin Love's already having a bad week, man. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> but it's making it worse. <laughs> but I really think that that's there is an argument to be made there, right? Like, I, I just sure. think yeah. that we have to go towards let's pick the twenty-four best players. You know, the starters maybe we do it by conference, but like the reserves at least, you really have to look at the entire league and say who is really deserving here, and not limited to just the conference. What's really interesting about this is that. Uh, so they're mixing the conferences up for um, the All-Star game, right? When does the NBA start mixing up the conferences for the playoffs? 
So, so that, that's I, interesting. I, I, I sort of feel that this is like a precursor to like right, conference just pull, list yeah, pulling the uh, pulling the top sixteen teams in the league and seating them that way. Yeah, I, I think I, I think it's a, the road towards that. I don't think we're so there quite the, yet. The main reason that won't happen is it's just, just a logistics, logistics issue. Exactly, it, it's really thinking. just the a logistics, logistics issue. Yeah. I think you're you're correct in terms of uh, the thought. I think there are ways to make that work, like neutral ground and stuff like that. But that changes the why. Why do you want to be seated higher? So there are a lot of like considerations from a logistics perspective that would make that difficult. Like if, if like hypothetically, if like the Lakers were facing the Celtics in the first round, yeah, you know that would that be so terrible. Like country. every single yeah, for yeah, every single game. I just think it would be uh, it would be unrealistic to do that. Uh, although if you. I guess you could extend the playoffs and make it, you know, possible in that sense. Yeah, we give like two days off. Yeah, for travel. But it's still it's still really difficult, especially you know jet lag is a thing with a three hour delay, going from uh, East Coast to West Coast and West Coast to East Coast respectively. So I think that that would be difficult. I like the idea though because I do think it should just be the top sixteen teams in the league, rather than eight and eight. Yeah, but I think logistics does play. I, I think that's major is yeah. the major reason for that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Anything? What? Anything more to add? Uh, no. 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 I enjoy the good. game. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy the game. Yeah. I do think it will be more competitive. Okay. Oh, I hope so. Because yeah. Me too. It's, it's always been a crapshoot every year. I think that's why they're changing it up. Yeah. Right? That's the whole point. Let's yeah. see if it works. But we're we're basically at the midpoint of the season, as I said in the beginning. So we have a good idea of which teams are getting in, which teams are not going to make it. Uh, but let let me ask this first question. It's been I don't know how many games, but uh, more than half the, half the season so far. Who's been the biggest winner of this season so far? Start with you, Vikram. The biggest winner of the season. Oh, I'll go first. I'll go first. Uh, I think Are I you, got one. You, okay, I thought you were thinking. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Totally. I actually think uh, Mike D'Antoni is the biggest winner of the season, and like the major reason I think so is he has really kind of proven his chops as a coach right now. Uh, I kind of, re- I have kind of bad feelings for him from when he was coach of the, of the Lakers and couldn't make that really cool roster with a. Steve Nash, Dwight Howard, Kobe, and Powell. Hey, do you remember that tweet by Magic Johnson when Mike D'Antoni was fired? Magic Johnson celebrated on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Do you remember uh, that? Yeah. He celebrated yeah. D'Antoni's I don't remember firing. The exact... I thought that was kind of a classless uh, little shot, but okay. Hey, I mean, but, it is what it is. Yeah. I think he was a really poor coach for, for the he didn't Lakers. Fit that. He, didn't, he didn't fit the personnel, right? Like, no one in that system could really, could really run what he wanted to run. I think he found himself in a good situation in Houston. And he's done two things that I've been really impressed with. One, he's made a system where Chris Paul and James Harden can play seamlessly in. And secondly, he's really worked on the defense of that team. I think those are are two huge things. And I think he is the winner. And the fact that he's uh, coaching in the All-Star game is representative proof of the fact that the league has taken notice. I think he's in the running for Coach of the Year again this year. And I think if he did win it, I think it would be well-deserving. I can't disagree with that. Guru? I actually think the the biggest winner this year is Minnesota. Okay. Okay. I, I, I mean, can buy that. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, like going into the season, they added a lot of players, right? But you never, you were never really sure how they would mesh together. And they started the season off sort of rough. They had trouble trouble on the defensive end. They still ha- sort of had trouble on the defensive end. But I think they've sort of turned it around on offense. And Jimmy Butler is proven to be the leader that that uh, he was supposed to be when he came onto the team. And the team is really gelled, and now they're they're fourth in the West. So mm-hmm. uh, I think Minnesota is one of one of my big winners. 
and their defense, which was pretty bad in the beginning, has really, really has improved recently. They've, they've, and they've they look improved. very strong. And the Spurs are number three. They're struggling recently, so they could actually get to number three as well. Right. So I can't disagree with that either. Can I, I picked Kyrie a, Irving. Yeah. Kyrie Irving. Not Game just on. because of how well Boston's played, but because of the Cavs' dysfunction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it makes them sound, look it really makes smart, them look right? really yeah. smart. I mean, that guy's probably sitting at home in Boston smoking a joint like, oh, <laughs> man, I need sure he's smoking a joint? <laughs> okay, maybe not he, he that. Vegan, right? I, <laughs> yeah. I doubt he's doing that, but I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, can I throw one more sure, candidate? Because I think there's somebody who I, I've been omitting. Sure. Victor Oladipo and the Pacers oh, my God, deserve yeah. some... I told you guys that Victor Oladipo at the beginning of this could be an all-star and that he would be an over 20-point-a-game scorer. I remember both of you telling me, I, I don't know about that. He's, he's only ever been, you know, so-so. I had confidence in my main man, Victor Oladipo, and I'm telling you, he is, he is balling out, and I'm really happy to see that because I've always seen the talent that he had for the game. He's balling out, and the Pacers are winning. And the Pacers are winning games. And you talk about... When you let a foundational piece like Paul George go, what do you get back in return? You got back an all-star. A first-time all-star who is in his prime that's ready to go out. And honestly, his contract isn't that steep. So I think that's a great scenario for them to be in. It's been a great season, no, no doubt for Oladipo. But let's see how he does next right, season. Right, right, you right. Know, you know, there's, you there's know, still time in the But no future. doubt, I think it's been remarkable for mm-hmm. him and for the Pacers because they're actually in the, in the playoff picture right now. Yeah, which really was not expected. Yeah, exactly. Who's your biggest loser, by the way? If you get to pick up the biggest loser so far throughout the season, well, it's hard to say Demarcus Cousin isn't, but okay, uh, that's true. I think yeah, that's a good one. Before before Demarcus Cousin, uh, I would say just the the spate of injuries that have cost some players the season. Like I was upset to see Patrick Beverly go. You know, Danilo Gallinari on the Clippers. Like the Clippers are, are a pretty big loser team. Uh, I would say overall, though, I think it has to be uh, Gordon Hayward with the injury. I think that was sure. huge, but the Celtics have come back, so it's impact-wise hasn't been so bad. I do think the biggest losers of the season are the Cavs so far, and just because that type of dysfunction, I really think is is putting some is really tarnishing LeBron James' legacy for me because yeah. I've I've really come to respect him as a player, uh, as what he does for the community, uh, how he has a voice in terms of things outside of sports. Like I really respect a lot of the things that he does. And it makes me proud to see somebody stand up like that from from the world of athletes because that's really significant for people to see. Uh, but I do think this level of dysfunction, the kind of pettiness that I see, just makes it not an attractive situation in Cleveland. And I think when you're, like I said earlier, when you're the leader for your team, uh, you really have to step up in that role. Uh, for a while in the first half, it looked like it looked like it was going to be the Thunder. Yeah. Yeah, but but now they they've turned it around recently. So I guess I guess they're not quite a loser yet. But uh, so but I'm gonna say Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard. Oh yeah. Uh, and uh, and the Spurs not like playing up to, uh, what what they think that they should be playing up to, which is uh, challenging for the second seed in the West, possibly challenging the Rockets in the playoffs. That doesn't really seem possible right now without Kawhi. And uh, obviously, it has uh, burst out to more more issues that uh, we've discussed earlier in the show. And he was supposed to be an MVP candidate, and it's sad that he's probably going to miss a good duration of the season. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I agree with both. I mean, the injuries have, have sucked. It, it sucks every year when you see the star players go out, because that, that kind of takes away from the season, yeah. especially, in the, especially when it happens during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But my biggest loser, there's a few of them. So first is George Hill. 
Zach Randolph, and Vince Carter <laughs> uh-huh. all went to Sacramento thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to get a playoff spot no, and look at Sacramento. I don't because think so. George Hill, that, that's what George Hill said. He was given the promise that they were going to contend for a playoffs. But now look at how what Sacramento is doing. They're playing their young players a lot more often now. But that, Vince Carter is pretty wait, much wait, wait, out wait. of the rotation. That's George Hill's fault. Huh? Yeah, that's, I'm not sure. that's why I say he's a loser. Yeah, okay. I'm not that's sure said, how he ever thought they were going to make. No, but that's why I said he's a loser. No, well, th- that's what he said. He, he said that publicly, so you got to go by his word. Sure. No, right? I, I believe that. Yeah. I'm just saying that's really bad sense by George Hill, yeah, who's, who's an established Vince, veteran. Vince in this Carter, league. who was 40 years old, he decided to go with Sacramento. I think and I Zach think, Randolph as well. I think Vince Carter went to Sacramento to be the veteran presence. Yep. Yeah. Same with Zach Randolph, and they have that but, a relationship but, with Dave Yeager, the old coach right, from but, Memphis. But it's been a complete waste because now they're playing all their young players instead, and Vince yeah. Carter's completely out of the rotation now. Yeah, that, that's so true. It, they've, they've I all feel like this is one losers. of those. Uh, those but wait, I, 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 uh, one more, and the Kings themselves are also losers because. Look at how Cousins has played this year. I, mean, I know he just went down, but look at how he's played. And look at what he's doing with the Pelicans. It makes their return look even worse. You remember that Buddy Heald? Yeah. The yeah. first round pick, I think, which became Justin Jackson, who's not playing well at all. Buddy Heald, is, he's also struggling. So mm-hmm. that return just looks terrible. And they traded away Tyreek Evans. You know, they got him and then they traded yeah. him. Yeah. And look at how well he's playing for Memphis. Exactly. So he's one of the bigger winners of the season, too. It's just yeah. this whole thing has set back Sacramento a few more years. So... It's just been terrible for them. This is my point. Overall, big picture NBA. You cannot always count on the draft. Like I think people really overplay the significance of a first round pick. Like, I really believe this. I feel like when people ask, I feel like those picks are val- are overvalued. Like I understand that the major value of that is the rookie contract and and all of that, but in terms of actual players who can help your chances for for a win i sometimes kind of have some doubt about these these high first round picks and you only have to look at the warriors to see how well they've done with not only with drafting but just in general like kevon looney jordan bell like that's how you have to draft right you have to find players that you feel like that fit your system and make it work like that i feel like people overrate the draft. So I think with the Warriors, uh, I agree with you. They they they've done a great job of picking Jordan Bell, Kamala Lee, those kind of guys. But at the same time, when you're when you're added to a championship team, I think the mentoring is invaluable. Mm-hmm. Draymond Green, Steph Curry, these are all your mentors. KD, that's invaluable, right? Right, right, right. And and Steve Kerr can put them in situations where they can thrive. Sure. Whereas if you go to a team like Sacramento, I mean, <laughs> you're put in terrible situations from the get go. So, right. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, who looked so promising in the beginning, he's become quite inconsistent now. Yeah, but he had that awesome putback dunk. He, yeah, yeah, the win. yeah, yeah. And their other other rookies have not stepped up. I mean, and, Harry Giles is, is he hasn't played at all. And, and, and that's what Jackson, you expect from a young yeah. team. Yeah, I, I just for me, it's always hard to look at that and say, you know, we we're trying to rebuild through the draft. We're trying to rebuild through the draft, and I think teams are just too willing to blow it up nowadays. But I, I do think you have to sign free agents at the right time, though. Yeah, I think that's that's crucial. I mean, I, I when when George Hill got signed, I thought that George Hill was going to be signed, and then he was going to be traded for a draft pick. Oh wow! Okay. But and but that that doesn't look like it's going to happen because George Hill's value is down in the dumps. It only looks like they're going to get Iman Shumpert and Shannon Fry. For, so for I heard Hill. that deal is actually uh, I the the reports of the deal is at the one yard line. I heard it's actually really far apart. 
Really? Because yeah, because when I saw the deal, Iman Shepard and Channing Fry for George Hill. That's such a was, bad deal. Yeah, I was Kings. curious why. why like, what do you yeah, get if you're exactly. Sacramento? Why do you take that? Why back? would you do that exactly? It's the second round pick. I mean, like, yeah, I don't know if it's is that worth really that what point. is that really what George Hill is worth to you? Exactly. And that, so that's it's my better question. to hold they on to. They should at least it. get a first round pick. That's what I'm saying. Well, even if even a first round pick, right? If it's like a 25th pick, is that re- and this well, is where I come good, back to because right? you get out, you get rid of George Hill's contract as well, which should be a good value. For what? For two expiring contracts, so you clear up again for what? You clear up cap space for what? For another player. For my question is, who are you going to replace them well, with that I is mean, of, you, of higher value? Not you don't necessarily have the plan right now set in place. So but come this free is agency, this is my problem. You have the cap space to make moves. But what? Okay, a lot of teams have cap space. You want the assets in place just in case, like with Boston. Boston held on to their assets for a while, right? Jimmy Butler, Paul George, they whiffed on them. Then a situation presented itself in Kyrie Irving, and that's where they poured yeah, but their they, assets. Again, they had so a, that's the whole the whole but point. But that's is different you keep than your they're in open. a different situation than like Sacramento is, for example. I know, but the whole but Boston once upon a time idea. was in that situation when years ago, when before they had IT, there were so I'm looking losing. at they Boston. They tried to lose. No, the, the whole idea is that you should have the assets in place, ready to make a move. I'm so I'm not disagreeing with there, you. Is important. I'm just saying, if you're the Sacramento Kings and you have realistically no free agent prospects in terms of LeBron James and and game changing types of free agents, right? What are you really getting by getting rid of George Hill? Like, in a serious oh, yeah, so question, a cheaper team. So wait, yeah, so I mean, okay, yeah, a cheaper team. But you're putting a. a I think you're you're putting out a worse product at that point. Well, I think you're putting so out. Vikram, like, let me ask you. So you said draft picks are not that valuable because you you don't really know who you're going to hit on, right? But then at the same time, you're saying, what's the point in clear, clearing cap space for players? So what would you suggest the Kings do? The Kings? Yeah. I think have dug themselves in a very difficult hole. Right. But what is the best solution now? Like, let's say you're the Kings GM. If what I'm would you King, do when you're in the situation? I'm stockpiling picks. Okay. That's literally my only way out of this because I'm not an attractive destination for free agents. I can have all the cap space in the world, but no one's going to come to me. So if, my best, if you could trade George Hill for a first round pick, you would take it, right? Depends how high the pick was, to be it's honest. It's not going to be very high. I mean, that's for... Uh, I mean... You, you give him his contract, the best he'll get is like the 27th or 28th. If, if, honestly, if, if I could get something in like the top 20, I might consider it. But if I'm going to get... That's not going like, to happen. I don't yeah, think it's going to happen. My yeah. problem is... And, and this is where I'm, I'm looking, right? Like, I look at some other late picks, like Kavon Looney. And I, I keep bringing him up because he's one that I know that actually plays, right? Right. Is that really worth it to me, as a GM, to take that type of trade... And I have to honestly say it's not. Like that's why I'm I, I really feel for the Kings and I think it's it's been mismanagement for them, right? It's been terrible mismanagement. Yeah, I think and, it's been terrible. I think they don't have long term vision. Like they where they, where do they keep going? Every year it's like they're going it's, in some different direction. It's completely right? different. But and they're they are like exhibit A for how to mismanage a team. Yeah. But when you're in that situation, I do agree with you. We gotta we gotta go through the draft, but I mean, again, you you also have to be realistic about your your prospects. And if you're gonna try to get something with, you know, the twenty seventh pick, which I know this year was Kyle Kuzma, and they're they're getting good returns, I think you're gonna run into some problems. Yeah. All right. One last question. All right. Of all the teams right now, which team has the best chance of pulling a playoff upset? You want to go? For, you, you Vikram, who do you want? Who wants to go first? Yeah, you go first. Who do you want to go first? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll go first. Uh, I like Philly. Okay. I I like Philly pulling off the first round. I I think they have the depth. I think they had the playmakers to do it. I think they had the coach to do it. 
Okay. I mean, okay. Yeah, I mean, I thought there was something. I, I awesome. did pause for five seconds. <laughs> there was a dramatic pause. Yeah, it's like <laughs> for the Sixers, brotherly love. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, but yeah, I, I just feel that if there's any team that's going to pull off an upset, a significant upset, which means like, okay, the Sixers are now the sixth seed. They would play the Cavs in the first round. Oh and God. I think. Oh no. I think the Cavs would be in a little trouble. <laughs> I think they would be in a little trouble. I don't think LeBron can beat the. They can't beat the Sixers on his own. That would I honestly think that would be the end. I mean, there's no way LeBron would come back if that if that happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you lost in the first round to the Sixers, oh man. Um, I really think, and I, I feel like this way every year. The Spurs always have ways to to miraculously beat teams. So they're number three right now. Yeah. So you're saying maybe like in the later rounds. I'm saying, you know, if, if the if the standings go on as they do today, I would love to see a Spurs Rocket series. I would love to see what Greg Popovich can game plan for, for seven games. I think they would have a decent shot at it. Just like last year, right? Yeah. I mean, if you remember Spurs Rockets last That's year, exactly Rockets what I'm saying. blew them out game one, and we all thought, oh, it's going to be a Spurs quick are series. too old, they're too slow, yeah. and they came back they came and back won back six. One series, yeah. That's yeah. that's what I'm saying. Sure. I I would never. There are two play two people I never want to count out of out of playoff series. One, LeBron James. Don't think you can ever count him out. Two, Greg Popovich. These are two people that I never want to count out out of any series because they're they are able to maximize. In different ways, they're able to maximize the assets that they have around them. And Greg Popovich is an absolute genius at it. Okay. I'm actually going to go with Miami because uh, Miami, interestingly enough, all these teams have superstars. They're loaning up on star players. Miami's kind of the opposite. No star player, but a lot of good players. A lot of players who they can put in situational uh, times, right? Like, they have so many players to throw at you. I mean, Goran Dragic, Tyler Johnson... Josh Richardson, Wayne Ellington. I mean, there's so many contributors at every position. It's such an interesting mix. And it's, it's, Miami's number four right now. And I think they can beat Cleveland if they face them. It's possible oh. because they have so many players to throw at LeBron. So many players I to love, throw at everybody. I love how, love how we were how we, beat one Cleveland to lose in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> Not Cleveland's, the first round. The Cleveland's like really getting dogged here. Right now, I, mean, Cleveland I, is, is, I think Cleveland is number three right now. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. Like, I mean, if the standings hold, they won't face Cleveland for a while. They the wouldn't playoffs. face them unless they got to the yeah, conference, I think finals. conference yeah. finals. But I think Miami has the tools to beat, like, let's say, Boston. Because Boston offensively is still, they still struggle. As great as they are defensively, I mean, offensively, can they can they beat Miami I through mean, buckets? <laughs> Even though they have Kyrie Irving, the rest of their roster is suspect when it comes to offense. I think the I think common tr- denominator yeah. between all our answers is great coaching. Yeah, yeah. I think Eric Spolstra is a fantastic yeah, coach. Spol- yeah, Spol's great. So is Brad Stevens. Yeah, and, and if you look at Miami, like we were talking about, young players making an impact. That's, that's what Miami. you see in Miami. Oh yeah, Bam. I mean, Rodney McGruger. I mean, so many players have come from nowhere to make an impact for Miami. Absolutely. And this is why Miami is always a contender every year. I mean, despite the fact that they've lost LeBron, Wade, that era's gone. But they're still—remember that, remember that uh, Wade's last year uh, when they made the playoffs and they took Toronto to seven games? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 they, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they looked really good that year. So, Miami's always coached really well. Very well coached. And uh, I would say in your, in your hypothetical matchup— I would love to see a Hassan Whiteside, Aaron Baines center matchup. If there's one thing that I got to say about Boston is, I really question what you do with Aaron Baines. Like, that's got to be the weak link in the chain. Like, I know Zaza Pachulia is the weak link for the Warriors, but I mean, 
I think Zaza Pachulia is better than Aaron Baines, in uh, my personal uh, opinion. Uh, Aaron Baines defensively has been really up there. Like, he has Absolutely. been fantastic. So. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm just saying on a team that's already challenged offensively like yeah. Boston. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. You're I seeing, definitely you're agree. seeing teams game plan around their offense. That's why yeah. they're losing more. My honest opinion, that's what it is, is that people have kind of figured out their offense. I think if it ever comes to that, I think they go small and play Al Horford at, at five. At the center, yeah. yeah and and Jason Tatum at the four. Tatum and then the they four. put in Smart and Kyrie and then Jalen Brown. Jaylen, yeah, like I that. think you have to do that. They have a lot of talented guards and forwards, so that's their strength. Yeah, that's yeah. great. But yeah. I think it, it's. I think the East is going to be so exciting to watch. Yeah, given that Cleveland's time, right? fall, given Cleveland's fall, it's going to be so exciting to watch. And I think the West is actually weaker at, after, like in the in the bottom of the West. I think there are a lot of teams that are just kind of languishing there. Yeah. And yeah. I, again, I say this is because everybody's all about this championship or bust mentality. Like, is it is really is being the eighth seed really that bad? Like that's that is the question. Oh I would yeah, you go against the Warriors. <laughs> but I mean, in terms of, I mean. You have to ask yourself as an organization, is it worth blowing it up every couple of years to try and compete with the team you know you're not going to be able to for the yeah and, for the reasonable future? And again, I go back to this. It's mainly media-driven. I think so. And the owners of the team are in a way more connected with the media than they are with their own team. Honestly, I, I have to say that's probably it. I, I, yeah. I don't have any other rational reason for that. But again, it's a business. But it's not, in my opinion, it's not good business to have a really losing team all the time. I'd rather have a team that makes it to the second round of the playoffs. Like that's my personal opinion. I would rather get the increased revenue from that than I would yeah. the sure. potential for a championship. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So all right. Any other? No, I think it's agree. You want to close it out? All right. <laughs> it's okay. I'll close it. I'm just kidding. On <laughs> the NBA and TNT. Anyways, okay, yeah. anyways, <laughs> guys, thanks for joining us with this episode. I think it was a pretty fun episode to do. It's been a while since we did an episode, and until next time, guys. Thank you.